Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. And uh, welcome to another uh, episode of The Bull and the Bear. I am Matt Clark. Glad you are uh, joining us today. It's, uh, you know, for a lot of the country, it's, uh, uh, you know, reopening week uh, in terms of uh, getting, trying to get the economy back on, uh, on track. Uh, for others, uh, such as some of us here in South Florida, not so much, but, uh, uh, you know, be safe out there with, uh, with whatever you're doing. Um, jumping in today, I've got a, a, a great guest for everyone, uh, uh, everyone today. Let me give you a little bit of background before I tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he's done and, and, and his bio, you, you, you read it and you're, you like, what, really? I never really would have expected that. But our guest today, uh, is a U.S. Air Force veteran. And in fact, part of his, uh, part of his billet, if you will, uh, when he was in the military was helping install the Pentagon's first local area network, basically today's version of the internet. And, and, and he was one of the, uh, one of the people that, uh, helped install that in the Pentagon first before anywhere else. I, I don't know if that would be a DARPA reference or, 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 or close to it, but, uh, he can, he can probably allude more to that whenever we, uh, whenever we bring him on. Uh, and on top of that, when he was done with that, that's big, but he also did more. Uh, he was also involved in, uh, in, in putting in state-of-the-art radar systems to track Soviet aircraft towards the end of the Cold War. So basically, at, at installations, uh, uh, key installations, I'm, I'm sure the, the, the places are, are either were classified or still are or both, um, you know, he was responsible for helping install uh, you know, these very sophisticated radar systems that would help uh, early detection uh, if any Soviet aircraft were, were coming close to American airspace or, or North American airspace. Uh, and and he, was, he was part of that. So then you kind of wonder, okay, so how, how did he, what, what does that have to do with, with, with finance and money and markets? Well, let me tell you. He took that experience from the military, uh, uh, the, the analytics and, 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 and the, the deep study of data and, and understanding trends and, and, how th- and how systems operate. He took that and he parlayed that and became a, a, an internationally recognized certified financial technician. In fact, at one point in time, and I don't know when, but he was uh, the editor of the Chartered Market Technicians Association's newsletter. So he got the writing chops, he got the investing chops, he has the analytic chops, uh, and he's got the market chops. And, and w- so without uh, you know, further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, our guest today, Mike, uh, Mike Carr, Banning Hill Publishing's uh, Chartered Market Technician. He, is, uh, he, he provides uh, solid time-tested investment information to readers of his services. He has three of them. There's Peak Velocity Trader, Precision Profit, and one trade, and uh, I, I've read them all, and they are all very sound. Uh, they are all very uh, strategic, and and uh, they uh, have the potential to provide investors with uh, with solid gains. Mike, first off, uh, welcome to the Bull and the Bear. Certainly glad to have you on today. Thank you, Matt. Did, did I miss anything with your bio? Did, was there was there did I gloss over anything? Did I <laughs> did I miss anything? Those were certainly the highlights. One thing. <laughs> would add is I'm sure you've seen the recent release of UFO tapes. Yes. Where the military has now shown pilots chasing UFOs. Yes. And I'm pretty sure if they gave us access, we could find there's a glitch in the software that created that. It's not a UFO. <laughs> I haven't released the speed of the aircraft or the speed of the image. And 
I think you'd find there's a pretty clear relationship between that, just a software glitch, no UFOs. Okay, so so, so I guess if you if you do have any pointed questions about UFO sightings, Mike would definitely also be a person of uh, 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 to contact off uh, off uh, off hours, probably probably not something you want to do during the hours of uh, of, of nine to four thirty during when the market's open. Not a good time to bring up UFOs, but. What I want to talk to you today, Mike, specifically is uh, with the moneymarkets.com, which is which, which is where the bull and the bear is is hosted. We encourage you uh, anyone to go to moneymarkets.com and 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 check it out. We had a story that ran um, Saturday, I believe, and, and it was involving the sixty forty portfolio. Now, this is a common, um, or at least it was a very common, uh, you know, investment. Uh, tool or advice that that you would give a new investor or even a more seasoned investor and that is you know you want your your portfolio your investment portfolio to be split 60 40 and and so the question then becomes okay well 60 percent of what 40 percent of what typically under normal circumstances certainly before the market has has made its turn of late um that's 60 percent stocks and then 40 percent in bonds um, and if you have your portfolio kind of balanced that way, then the idea is, is that, you know, you can weather short term hiccups in the market. Um, you're equally balanced between equities, uh, between securities that are uh, more aggressive uh, as opposed to some that are more safe haven, uh, like bonds. But the, the problem with that is, is that if you date all the way back to 1926, um, their annual returns for a 60-40 split portfolio is no greater than 9%. So basically, if you have a 60-40 split in your portfolio and you've had it for any number of time, the average gain that you would see in that portfolio is about 9%. And in most cases, probably lower than that. Now, there are some cases where it would be higher. But in, in most cases, the average is around 9%, which, you know, if that's, if that's what you're going for, then okay then that, that's fine. But most investors prefer to be a little bit more aggressive. They prefer to see a little bit more in terms of gains. 9% is, you know, it's, I guess in, in, in no uncertain terms, it's fairly lackluster. It's not great by any stretch. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you this just as an aside, if you look at some of Mike's services, his returns uh, on, on, on a lot of his, uh, uh, a lot of his picks and a lot of his recommendations are, are well higher than that. So, um, 9% just doesn't seem very aggressive. It's just, it doesn't seem like it really provides much of anything. So the question then becomes, is the 60-40 portfolio still a viable option? And I'll tell you, in my, in my opinion, before I turn it over to Mike, the answer to that to me is no. And, and I think a fundamental problem there is when you start looking at the bond market. Um, you know, stocks are one thing that's, you know, it, it's, it's a constant state of volatility and fluidity, but, but bonds, I think, present the biggest, the biggest issue in the 60-40 portfolio split. And I, and I want to ask Mike, first off, do you agree with that? And if you do or don't, why? So I agree with all of that. And the 60-40 idea traces all the way back to the 1920s that you referenced the return. They were called formula plans at that point. And they were designed to manage large endowments. And like Harvard, um, people who managed Harvard put out a book called The Formula Plan, sharing how they did it. The yield on bonds at that point was maybe about 6%. The yield on stocks was even higher. So you were getting some upside and you were getting guaranteed income. It made sense at that point. 
from the 1980s when if you were setting up a 60-40 portfolio in 1982, 40% was guaranteed 10% returns on bonds. You did even better, but you locked in a 4% baseline return. You don't have that situation now. You have 1.6%. Which is atrocious. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's awful. You have 0.6 on a 10-year treasury. Inflation is likely to be greater than 0.6. So you're going to lose money on that 40%. And now, though, and financial advisors, their job is to sell. Their job is not to make you money. Financial advisors are going to be out there pushing that 60-40, showing you the great returns from bonds over the last 30 years. It's their job. They're nice people. They mean well, but they're setting you up for disaster. Bonds do have some upside. Over the next 10 years, bonds could deliver total returns of 30%. That assumes negative interest rates, which is possible. Unlikely, but possible. So if you believe interest rates are going to go negative, a small allocation to bonds makes sense, maybe 10 to 20%. Otherwise, I would say focus more on short term and get away from this passive indexing idea. And, and I think that I think that, you know, I think it's a big gamble even at 10 to 20 percent to have your, your portfolio in bonds because you're, you're making a big risk that there will be negative rates uh, and that those negative rates will be more prolonged than what than what they would normally be under under different circumstances. And I think that's an awfully big risk to take. Um, while I think, you know, if, if that is something that you are um, looking at in terms of your portfolio, then I think what Mike says makes complete sense. I, you know, 10 to 20 percent at the most is sufficient. Uh, I wouldn't go any higher than that. I would probably use a middle average of maybe 15 percent, maybe 12 percent. Um, but again, you have to understand that the type of risk you're taking and that you're basically betting on rates being negative and you're betting on net, those rates being negative for a, a, a good amount of time, not a short term. So, you know, I, I think that it, it definitely illustrates that the, the necessity to have a 60-40 portfolio split is probably not a good idea. In fact, it's not. It's not there's no probably about it. It's just, it's just not a good idea. But I think that brings up an, another interesting thing, and, and, the, and an investor may ask, Mike, and that is, okay, well, if I'm not doing bonds, does that mean I'm dropping everything into stocks and I'm doing a 90-10 split in stocks? Well, the answer there is probably no. I, I don't know that that's necessarily, uh, that's probably, that, that's aggressive, but it, it's probably not going to yield you any strong returns, especially with the volatility of the market the way it has been. So I guess that leads me to ask, what are some alternatives that investors should look at um, if, they're, if they're looking to, to be a little more diverse with their portfolio and do stocks, maybe a little bit of bonds, but then what else? What are, other, what are some other plays they could look at? And I think it's going to be important to think about once we say that 60-40 portfolio, it's worked for the last 100 years, it's not going to work for the next 100. Think about what portfolio means. And this 60-40 was developed by colleges that just wanted money to grow. They thought they were going to use it sometimes. Your portfolio needs to serve that same purpose. The allocation to bonds should probably be the emergency money that you might need over the next three years. So you're getting zero in cash. Reach for that little bit more. Maybe go to bonds yielding 1%. But that's your purpose of bonds now, is it's your cash reserve. 
you've got to preserve capital. Gold does a very good job of that. And, you know, there's the old story that you could buy about a thousand loaves of bread for an ounce of gold back in medieval times, and you could still get about a thousand <laughs> loaves of bread for an ounce of gold. That's, val that's valid at today's price, about 1700 for uh, for spot and, and for futures. Right. So, yeah, that's completely valid. <laughs> And it's always been that way. Another example is, you know, you could get a good man's suit for a good men's suit. You could get a really good men's suit for an ounce of gold. And that was true when gold was 35 bucks. It's 1700 now. Most of us don't wear $1,700 suits, but you could if you wanted to. If you're, if you're really feeling spry about your man's suit, then yes, but otherwise, no. <laughs> you can buy several, actually. So gold needs to be considered as a way to preserve capital. And we're in a situation where preservation of capital cannot be ignored any longer. Stocks aren't going to deliver the returns they did in the past simply because there's fewer buyers for stocks right now. In the first quarter, there was still an estimated $400 billion worth of share buybacks, companies buying their own stock. That's done. We're not going to get buybacks. We're not going to get dividends. We're going to have more volatility. Think short term. I know everybody loves Warren Buffett and his, the, my preferred holding period is forever. I don't know if you saw, he sold all of his airline stocks last week. Everything. Dumped it all. And just a year ago, he was telling us how much he loved airlines. So Buffett is more worried about preserving capital than being right. And I think that's how our average investor needs to become is, do you want to be right or do you want to make money? Do you want to say airlines are going to come back? They're not. Warren Buffett tells us they're not. You could buy, but it's short term. Take 10, 15%, move on to your next trade. And I think that's what we need to see is some bonds, your emergency cash for three years, some allocation to gold for capital preservation, and a short-term focus on the market. And if you can't do short-term focus, on the market that used to five percent returns yeah yeah i mean that's I, I think that that's that's the right play I, you know i and, and i think another thing to consider and i won't ask you about it or, or anything but i think one thing that to consider as an investor is, is something else if maybe gold is not your your cup of tea if you will but you know there are real estate there you know you could you could look at real estate um i think you could you could look at the foreign markets but i i think you're almost getting into the same type of situation that you're in with the markets here in the states and, and in fact i think the volatility is probably even more so with uh with, with the german market market with with the British market. Um, I think you look across those two large, large, large markets, and, and you're going to see a lot more volatility there than you will here in the States. So I think gold is is probably the right way to go. But but again, you, I don't think you can ignore real estate as a as a possibility um, to, to to spread out your portfolio a little bit more. And, and I think short term, uh, you know, taking a more short term approach to your investments is, is really not a bad idea, especially because we don't know how long this volatility is going to last. Um, and I think that's exactly when you want to start looking at a, a, a short-term investment strategy. When things are great, when you're running in a, an 11-year bull market, your investment strategy is probably pretty simple. However, when things turn south and you enter a bear market, uh, you look at global recession, uh, and, and you look at global re recession that could last anywhere between three months to three years, uh, or, or even longer, I don't know if it'll last that long, but then you have to really start focusing on more the immediate and less on the five-year plan, if you will. 
So I, I think that that it, it Mike brings up a, a good uh, a good point in terms of looking at a short term strategy. Um, real briefly, Mike, talk about you know what about using like a momentum or seasonal type strategy for investing at this point. Yeah, I think both of those are good ideas, but they're short term. And you know, you mentioned real estate, medical real estate investment trust, industrial real estate investment trust. Those are still going to be fine. Apartment residential investment trust. Um, Not so much. Hiccups there. <laughs> so I think choose wisely, but some real estate is going to be safer than others. I think momentum is a great tool to follow. Just follow something simple, depending on your time frame, a 50-day or a 200-day moving average. When the price of the S&P 500 is below that, just stop buying. You can hold and take losses, but just don't add to it. Right. Don't make the situation worse. <laughs> if, yeah, it's that old saying, once you've dug, dug yourself into a hole, stop digging. Right. So don't try to find the bottom. The bottom could be 10 years away. I think in, in to kind of close things up here, Mike, uh, you know, you when we were talking back and forth before uh, before getting on, one, one thing you had mentioned is, is to know what everyone knows is to know nothing. And, 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 and that, that, is, that is a valid thought now. Just when you think that, you know, if everyone is, is doing one thing, that doesn't necessarily make it right. And, and you bring up a good point that in the 80s, um, you know, that was a good time to buy 30-year bonds. They had double-digit yields and no one really wanted them. Uh, so it was a, it was a perfect opportunity to, to, to buy into them with a strong yield and, and, and make a, a fairly decent return. But now, you know, as an investor, whether you're a novice investor, whether you're a hobby investor or whether you're a seasoned investor, what I think you have to look at is, is you have to be nimble. Um, you, you can't afford to just wait things out and wait for, uh, an opportunity that your financial advisor tells you about or, or that you hear. I mean, you've got to do your homework. You've got to um, be more proactive than, than reactive in this type of market condition. Is that, would you say that's, that's a fair point to, to make? I'd say that's a great point. A lot of investors don't like gold because it hasn't always done well, but now might be the ideal time to look at the things that no one likes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a, you hear often about buying the dip and, 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 and all these other things. And, and, you know, we caution against it. Don't, don't buy the dip, especially now, because I think we're looking at a, at a market double bottom at some point. Um, so, you know, you don't want to be caught, you know, trying to buy a dip only to see that dip get worse. Um, cause then, then you're, then you're stuck with losses when your intent was gained. So, um, you know, the point here is, 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 is really just watch things uh, and, and don't, I, I think the time of the 60, 40 portfolio is over. Um, I, I think you'd be smart. You'd be, you'd be a wise investor to spread things out a little bit more, probably get out of bonds. 60% stock is probably okay. Um, but I think you need to take that 40% that you may have in bonds and, and really spread that out a little bit more. Maybe look at, you know, a 15, 15 bond gold, uh, look at REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, as Mike said. Um, you know, looking at those types of, uh, of different ways to, to really balance your portfolio. And I think he's dead on when, when, when he mentions look at the short term, use bonds for your short term cash and, uh, and, and use gold as a nice hedge and then keep your, keep your stocks, you know, the way they are. So, or you know, we can change them up. But uh, I, I think, you know, the, the idea of, of keeping your portfolio 60 40 probably uh, not viable anymore and probably won't be anytime soon either. I, I mean, you may think that, well, I can go back and maybe I'll, you know, just go back to that same type of strategy. 
I don't, uh, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see that as being a, a very good idea. So I think if you want to broaden things out, if you want to diversify a little bit, do so and, and really take a hard look at, at, at what your holdings are right now, especially those that aren't necessarily stocks um, and, and, and maybe try to vary things up a little bit. Mike, any, any, any closing words before I let you go? I think you summed it up perfectly. Just don't do what everyone else is doing. Exactly. And uh, I, I would encourage as, as, uh, as, we, uh, as we part ways, again, make sure you check out uh, Mike Carr Services, Peak Velocity Trader, Precision Profits, and One Trade. Uh, you can uh, see all those at bandinghill.com. Uh, as for us, uh, you can check us out uh, as, and all the content that we have on moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, Friday, we will drop another podcast where we will have both Charles Sizemore and uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell will be back on. We've got some uh, some big news involving uh, Adam and uh, and what he's got going on. So you're going to want to make sure you tune in and, and uh, check that out on, uh, on Friday. So, Mike, again, appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to the next time we get to chat. You bet, Mike Carr. I'm Matt Clark. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Until next time, have a great week and safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 